Praise the Lord. Welcome to the Dominion Sonship Life. I have a message that I have been just being quiet yesterday, recognizing the Holy Ghost has been building this message for a while now, and it's called a disciplined mind. A disciplined mind. And um, it's been really building up from, I think, going back to some of the messages was continuing in him, continue to follow him. Then we talked about purposes forward, and last week was live soberly. And so we're continuing on the theme of sobriety of mind, and therefore a disciplined mind. And I want to read uh, from Hebrews chapter 4 before I really get into the message, because it will give me the context of navigation of what I'm up to, or what I believe the Holy Ghost is communicating to me to share with you. If you go to Hebrews chapter 4, regarding the word of God, verse 12. Actually, if we go to 11, about entering the rest of God. And when we enter the rest of God, is we actually entering the assurance of the word of God. So there'll be no rest in our lives if we're not fully persuaded by the truth of the word of God. And so when we talk about the fight of faith that we've been Speaking of for a while now, we're actually talking about entering a degree of persuasion that has reached full measure. So we know that this truth is now guiding my life so that we know that this truth I can bank on and I can rely on. And I, I, I would know by reading this word exactly how it's going to go for me, that if God is for me, then no one and nothing can be against me. So the good fight of faith persevering and and guarding that which was entrusted, this message of power and dominion, which is the word of God, is really about a persuasion. It is really about an entrance into a rest. And so when you have rest, there's no fretting. When you are in rest, there is no anxiousness of mind. But there is a soundness of mind that is based on the word of God. And so verse 11, Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore be diligent. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. That there is a potential falling into the same example of disobedience, the disobedience of the Israelites that he just spoke about, that God had called them into a promised land and they refused to believe. They hardened their heart. They had a, a stubborn heart of unbelief. And because of that unbelief, because of that stubbornness of heart, a stiffened neck, they refused the Holy God. They refused to believe the word of God. And what happened? They all died out in the desert. And so it can happen with us too. We can also fall into this example of dying off, of losing hope in this wilderness of turmoil, of going around in circles, of of, of living always in the heat of the day and never a reprieve, of your mind always bombarded with thoughts of fear. Uh, During worship, the Lord spoke to me, at what time is it appropriate to fear? When you get locked up, is it when the knife is on your throat? At what time is it appropriate as you, a believer, to fear? Never. Never. 
We never move to be moved by any taunts. We never to allow fear to talk to us because that tells you that you're not fully persuaded. If God is for you, then nothing can be against you. That God has us. And so the rest of faith is a persuasion of an assurance. I can sit and live in the word of God. And the word of God is breathing his life through me now. It's carrying me. It is working in me a transformation to bring me to greater glory, greater glory. What is in, in store for me? What is in store for you in the body of Christ? What is in store for us in the body of Christ? Only greater glory, only greater glory. Never fear, never doom and gloom, only greater glory. I'll tell you when you feel the doom and gloom is when you look at the world, when you read your local news, when you, when you keep up with every report that's coming out on disease and sickness and, 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 and calamity. And no, that is not who we are to partake of. We're not to partake of the way of the world, but we are to be fully assured by the word of God. And so here, verse 12, for the word of God. So the theme is disciplined mind. The theme is sobriety of mind. The theme is continue to follow after him. The theme is do not depart the faith. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. This is the word of God. The word of God is your discerner. The word of God will communicate whether you're moving in the soul, which is your emotions, which is your carnal mind, which is the unrenewed will that hasn't yet submitted to the will of God. Or if you're being led by the Holy Ghost, how do I know if this is God talking to me? Well, the very fact you're asking that question is telling me you haven't spent enough time in the word. Because when you spend time in the word of God, you become so familiar with his voice. You don't doubt it. You don't ever ask the question, how do I know when God talks to me? Is this God saying this? Or is it me? Or is it the devil? That's confusion. And Satan is in that confusion. But the word of God is a discerner of truth. The word of God is a two-edged sword. The word of God is a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. It divides right precisely of joints and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, which is telling me the word of God has sight which is really now your sight in Christ. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is who? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the word of God, right? He is the living word of God. If we go to John 1, 
John 1. So we just read about having to give an account to the word of God. That we are living life before the eyes of him, the word of God. John writes in, in, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God is a discerner. God, the word, is the discerner of your heart. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. All things were made through the word of God that we'll give an account to. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. So at the end of the day, you cannot say to God, God, I couldn't figure it out. It was too hard for me because there were some very obstinate things in my life. There were some mountains I couldn't go over. There was just too many difficulties. And what would God say? That's an impossibility that something was too difficult. It's an impossibility the mountain was too high because I made all things. And all things submit to the creator. And you are now where in him, in the living word, you are now becoming that full expression of divine life that is the living word so that you can bring down the mountain, so you can bring down the difficulty, so you can bring to not that situation that's stripping you up. So at the end of the day, we cannot stand before the living word and say it didn't work for me, God, when God said all things were made for me. They're made to work for us. They're made to submit to the name of Jesus. Everything is made to submit to the one that it will give an account to. Oh, so where is the difficulty? Make it submit. How do you make it submit? Through a disciplined mind. How do you make it submit? Through a mind that is sober. Go back over the last month, the messages, especially last week on the sobriety of mind. A sober mind, and we looked at that word sober, we looked at, and we can maybe go back to in Romans 12, 3, and in Titus 2, 6, and also in um, 1 Peter 4, 7, the word sobriety, there is the same word and translated as safety mind, a safety mind. So to be sober minded is to be safety minded. It is to be um, it is to be of a mind that is based on the safety of the word of God. And so we can say a sound mind is truly the mind of Christ that we are now given. We are given a sound mind and that word sound in, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That word sound mind is a disciplined mind and it's actually derived from the sober mind that we just referred to in in Romans 12, 3, and in, in Titus 2, 6, and in um, 1 Peter 4, 7. So we have a sober mind. We do have the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ is the word of God. The word of God is the expression of the mind of Christ. When we talk about a disciplined mind, just the opposite of a disciplined mind is a carnal mind. 
A carnal mind is not a disciplined mind. A carnal mind is a, an unruly mind that is ready. It is in prime time ready for the picking to be made to submit to the word of God. Unruly mind is ready and made ready to be submitted to the word of God. All things were given account to the word of God. Verse 3 in, in John 1, 1, in chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. This is our God. All creation worships him. This is our God. Every knee will bow down and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of our Heavenly Father. Every tongue is made to confess the name of Jesus. In Him, in the Word, in our Creator was life and the light was the light of men. What is your light today? What is the light by which you walk today? It is the word of God. It is the very word of God. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. How amazing is that? That this light of the word of God is incomprehensible to darkness. And that's why sometimes you can speak to someone that, does not have the Lord Jesus Christ, is not born again, and the word of God would seem silly to them. The word of God would seem incomprehensible. Well, yeah, because it is light, and darkness does not understand light. Actually, light drives out darkness. Let's go back to Hebrews 4, verse 13. And there is no creature, there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. At the end of chapter 3, yes. Regarding the Lord Jesus Christ, we go to 20. For our citizenship, Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Look at this according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Even to subdue all things to himself. How powerful it is. Why? Because all things are naked and open to his eyes. Because all things will give an account to him, because he's a discerner. He's a discerner of every thought and intent of the heart. And this is 
the word of God. So now we can go to Romans 12. We read this last week on the sober mind, verse 3. So we just read in Philippians that he is able to subdue all things to himself. And we know that in Christ now we have his ability. And therefore, we now have this divine ability to subdue all things to him. Well, yeah, if we didn't have that authority, then Paul would be wrong in saying here in um, 2 Corinthians, where is it? 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What did we just read in Philippians? that he is able to subdue all things to himself. And now we have him in us to enable us to be able to bring down, to pull down every stronghold, casting down arguments, every high thing, everything of pretense that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we recognize that we now have this agency of Christ to bring things into submission, to bring things into submission to he himself. And verse 6 in 2 Corinthians 10, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so we're to never fear. We are to never fear because we have this authority to bring things down. Where do we bring them down? We bring them down in our mind. We bring them down in our mind. And that's why it goes what the Lord asked me. At what point is it okay to fear? Is it okay to fear? Never. It is never okay to fear. It is never acceptable for us in Christ to Cower to fear when we, what are we supposed to make it submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ? So here in, uh, going back to Romans 12, I'm kind of going through a lot of verses, but that's okay. Romans 12, 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We read this last week, and the focus there is that the way we do not think more highly of ourselves, but we think of ourselves soberly, is when we acknowledge what Paul acknowledged in Galatians 2, that it's no longer I who lives this life, but it's Christ in me who lives life. And so when I acknowledge, it's no longer destiny, but it's Jesus in me. That is a sobriety of thought. That is a sober thought. And so um, if that word to think soberly in the Strong's Concordance it is a sober judgment, 
I want to read that verse from the Strong's. I say to everyone of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself, think of yourself with sober judgment. So we ought to give thought to ourselves, but it has to be in a sober judgment. And we know the sobriety of mind is the mind of Christ. It is really the word of God that we just read in Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4, that will give an account because it's a discern of every thought and intent of our heart. But this sober judgment is to be according, it is to be according to the measure of faith God has given you. And so we are supposed to think according to the measure of faith. Now, who is the measure of faith that we are given? It is Christ. And so a sober mind is a mind that thinks, that thinks the word of God. When we think according to this measure of faith of God, and we know Paul says that we live life now through the faith of the son of God, that through this faith, which is based on the word of God, we have a sober mind. So sobriety of mind and a disciplined mind is a mind that is fully dependent and fully expressing the word of faith, the word of God. So from here, let us go to Titus 6. We looked at this one before last week, but we'll read it again. Titus 2, 6. And I had liked how it read in the um, New Living. So I'll read it in New King James, also the New Living. Likewise, ex exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that's verse 8 now, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. There in verse 6, new living is, in the same way, encourage the young man to live wisely, to live wisely. In the New King James, the word is sober-minded. Sobriety of mind is the wise mind of Christ. There's no wiser living than a Christian walking out the mind of Christ. There's no greater wisdom in communication than an expression of the mind of Christ. That is sobriety. That is self-discipline. Of no longer I, but Christ in me. In verse 7, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. And I love, I love this part coming up. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. 
This teaching of the word of God is serious. There's nothing to be fooled around with the word of God. The word of God is serious. The word of God is sound. The word of God is wisdom. The word of God is life. The word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we say, I love you, Jesus, I love you, I love you, Jesus, we actually say, I love the word of God. I love the living word. And how often are we found in the living word? We, I think going back to purposes forward, I broke down Romans 8, 28, and I paired it up with John 14, 15, I believe, where um, in Romans 8, all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to the purpose. And then in John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, do my commandment. So if we love him, we do his commandment. And because all things work well for those that love him, love his word, and do his commandment, there will be no failure. And so then, when I say, I love you, Jesus, I am to be mindful. I'm saying, I love your word. And if you love his word, you will be found in his word. And all in this word will cultivate a sound mind. Only this word will cultivate a wise life. Only this word will cultivate a safety mindset that will create a safe lifestyle so that we be of no fear. No fear. For we've not been given that spirit of fear that is in the world rampant, running, that is intoxicating them. That's really driving them mad. But we've been given what? The Holy Ghost, who is power, who is love, and the sound mind. He communicates the mind of God. He communicates to us the sayings of Jesus. He communicates the Holy Spirit, the word of God. I've heard, I want to have a polish. I want, I've heard many wonderful people, precious. I've said it myself. Oh, I've said it, you know, I, I want a greater fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I want a greater fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And somehow I don't seem to connect the dots when I say that. That means more time in the Word. It's not some sort of an exper exper uh, experiential kind of mystical moment. It's a variety of mind. And there are mighty experiences and God's uh, a word can come across audibly to us and it can come across as visions and, and divine insight into mysteries. And, but it is all to do with the living word who is Christ the Lord. And so when we talk about a disciplined mind, we're talking about a function of the word of God. We're talking about the very life of Jesus. The me of myself, I am to reign in. 
I am to submit to the word of God, but then when the word is in me, the word himself is bringing all, all weird thoughts of mine into submission. We read it. We read it in Philippians. I, the good thing I have a bookmark there. That he's able to subdue all things to himself. The word, put the word in order some things in your life that you've tried to subdue and, and there it is again and there it is again. It's some sort of a, a baby, a, a pattern of thought or behavioral situation or a particular weakness. You find yourself in a moment that, that there's a frailty and it's been there for a long time. Well, take this word on purpose. Eat the word. Drink the word. Partake of the word and see the word. Submit that thing. Make it, make it comply to himself. To be a strengthener to that moment. Because that is his grace that is sufficient for us. This word is truly an expression of his grace. That's what John said of Jesus, that he came. Verse in, in John 1, 16. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth. This is the word of God is grace and truth. The word of God is grace and truth. Came through Jesus Christ. We just read who Jesus Christ is in, 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 in verse 1. Who is Jesus Christ? The Word of God. And in this Word of God is the fullness of God. And grace for grace is the Word of God. Never veer, never stray away from the truth that is the Word of God. You need more grace. The Word of God is your grace. You need more, more strength. The word of God is your strength. No one has seen God at any time. John writes in 18. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. What does that mean? The one who is God himself. The all-seeing God who has seen himself has now come to declare himself to us. To declare who he is so we can walk in his sight. To walk in the sight of the word of God. That we just read in Hebrews 4. That the word has sight. The eyes of the word of God. That we're living life before this word. And so that's why Paul writes to Titus. To teach the young ones. To live in a manner of integrity. In a manner of life. To reflect the seriousness of the teaching. We'll give an account. That is the seriousness of the teaching. Not to be afraid, but to know we're safe because we have this mind of safety. 
that word in, 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 in Romans 12, 3 that we read about judging us, thinking of ourselves in sobriety with sober judgment. The strong says it with sober judgment. And that word is to be of a sound mind, to be temperate. And we looked at it last week. And of course, that's where we saw that it was to be safety minded. So let's go to um, 2 Timothy from here. I've already said the verse a few times. I just wanted to look at that word. That's where my title came from today. Um, disciplined mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Well, if we do verse 6, therefore, I remind you, I remind you, because faith resides in you. Genuine faith resides in the context of what Timothy is writing to Timothy, the, the verses right above it. Because, because this genuine faith resides in you, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Stir it up. Stir up the thrill that you have for the word of God because faith comes through the word of God. Stir up the love you have for the word. Stir up. Stir up your desire to be found in the word. Especially in this hour. Especially in this hour. Because right the tail end in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, I'll just read off to go, but we read it a few weeks ago. Now, chapter 4, verse 1, 1 Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly, expressly, and that word we, we, we read was uh, explicitly says that in the latter times, we are in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. That's what an undisciplined mind looks like. An undisciplined mind, a chaotic mind, a carnal mind is one that will be deceived by demonic communication. One that would believe doctrines of demons. That one, one, an undisciplined, unruly mind is the one that will give heed to deceiving spirits that has departed from the faith. But now in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. And because we have the mind of Christ and he lives in us, we can bring everything in submission to the word of God. So we be not deceived. So that our minds be disciplined. So going back to 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that, that is a self-controlled mind. That is a self, the word sound mind is a self-disciplined mind. And actually, I believe um, some translations, for example, in the Strong's says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, Oh, I'm just timid. I'm just a shy one. <laughs> nope. No shyness about us. We are fearless. 
The righteous are as bold as the lion. Go roar. Go roar your salvation. Live in the roar of your salvation today. Live in the life of Christ today. We're not timid. But we are of power, of love. And we know love never fails. We are the ones that never fail. And self-control. And that, that is self-discipline. That is prudence. And it stems from the one that we just looked at just prior, which is a safety mindset. So these words connect self-control. Oh, I don't have that. You know, you hear that. Oh, well, you know, I, I have real difficulty with self-control. Well, Christ doesn't have difficulty with self-control. Christ doesn't have difficulty. One of the fruits of the Holy Ghost is self-control. So it's not what I can do and what I cannot do. Though I'm weak in the flesh, I don't go, oh, what does he say? I'm to glory in that because at that moment I recognize, uh-uh, there's a strength, Christ in me, that overcomes that weakness. So I do have the gift of self-control. I do have the mind of Christ. I do have a disciplined mind. I do not cower in timidity and shy away from the declaration of the gospel. Um, let's go back to Romans 8. We've looked at this verse before, but we'll look at it again. Our disciplined mind versus a carnal mind. And we do not have a carnal mind because we've chosen to walk in the spirit. All right, let's go to Romans 8, 4. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteous requirement of the law will be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And that's why there's no condemnation to those who walk. And that is why there's now no condemnation to those who walk according to the spirit. Why? Because the righteous requirements are fulfilled. If the righteous requirements are fulfilled, there's no condemnation. But if they're not fulfilled, there is condemnation. And so he's very plainly stating to us, if you walk in the spirit, the righteous requirements of the law will be fulfilled. No condemnation. But if you walk in the flesh, those righteous requirements are not fulfilled. And therefore, there is condemnation. Verse 5. For those, and look, look how it comes back to the mind. How you live life is, is being, it's being set forth, being released through your mind. And we looked at 1 Peter, uh, I believe it was 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. No. Um, verse 13, right? Chapter 1, verse 13 where uh, Peter tells that we are, to, we are to gird up the loins of our mind. And we looked at the loins being a reproductive organ, the loin of our mind, and our mind is a releaser of life. And so here it's very clear. So he just finished telling us that if we walk in the spirit, we are fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law and there's no condemnation, right? 
For those who live according to the flesh, what happens? Set their mind on the things of the flesh. So that which you set your mind on. If you're thinking a lustful thoughts, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go, buddy? In the flesh to fulfill and gratify the flesh. Very easy. If you're thinking on the things of the spirit, that I'm redeemed, I'm delivered from all evil, that the seasons of my life are established by God. The God in me is greater than that which is in the world. That I'm kept by the power of God. That if God be for me, who can be against me? Romans 8.31 has been on my lips all year long. If I think according to this righteousness that I have now by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm walking in the spirit. And I'm not setting my mind on carnal thoughts here but those who live according to the spirit what is it they set their mind on the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death well yeah because we just read what an unruly mind does the definition or the expression of it in um timothy paul wrote to timothy that what did Paul write to Timothy at the end, chapter 4 in 1 Timothy? Let me just look at it. Keep your hand here. I don't want to paraphrase and be a mess. What did Paul say that in this last hour, that many would depart the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy? Well, all of this is fleshy. Satan loves our flesh. And we give him a right to talk to us by being carnally minded and so verse six for to be carnally minded is what going back to romans eight in verse six for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against god that in the carnal mind we're actually an enemy to god for it's not subject to the law of god nor indeed can be. And that's why when you walk in the flesh, there's no fulfillment to the righteous requirement of the law because flesh is not subject to the law of God. Nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God because the righteous requirements are only met where? In the spirit. Why? Because they were fulfilled by Christ. Jesus was the fulfillment of the righteous requirement of God. He is our propitiation. He took care of everything for us. So when I believe in Jesus, I at that moment am imputed a righteousness which is his. He became sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I can walk pleasing my father by walking in the spirit how do i walk in the spirit by setting my mind on christ by setting my mind on those things which are above by walking out of this disciplined mind of christ and that is what pleases my heavenly father we'll stop here for the day
and then we'll continue on the theme next week. So that's it. A disciplined mind is the mind of Christ. Amen. Thank you.